Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to another episode of Why Would You Tell Me That with me, Neil Delamere, and him, Dave Moore. We're at at Neil Delamere Comedy and at Dave Today FM. And the show is at Why Would You Tell Me That on Instagram and all the other socials that you want to get in touch with us. I'm so glad you said the show is the show. It was a show, Neil. We did a show. We did a live show. It was so amazing. And thank you to everybody who came along to Smock Alley yesterday to see us do the live show. It was God, amazing. This is like Christmas dinner. You pause for breath. I need to do circular breathing like I'm playing a didgeridoo to start to start, start this show before Dave Moore gets overexcited. And yeah, it was really, really good. And uh, I, I mean, who knew that Dermot Gavin knew so much about Duty Free and the story of Duty Free and and the man who, who founded it, who was an inspiration, it has to be said. Yeah, total inspiration. We will tell you all about that when we do the episode for you guys who didn't manage to be there That'll be out soon. in Smock Alley. But it'll be out very soon and you'll get to hear all the incredible stories and all the fun we had and hopefully the next one you'll be able to either come along if you went thank you very much for coming and if you didn't make sure you come along next time and thanks again to dear mcgavin for being an amazing guest for chris kent for opening up for us and thanks to smock alley for hosting us as well it was absolutely class yeah it was great crack uh so we i mean fresh from the the luster of that performance and, and and all those standing ovations where people got up and got their coats. It was just fantastic. <laughs> that was the standing ovation oh, was, as the house lights came on. The lights came on and the bouncers hoofed them out and said, yeah, you can't stay here. I mean, <laughs> fresh from that kind of warm glow of performance, we are still proudly part of the ACAST Creator Network, we should say, even though we did a live one. Um, Dave. It is up to you. What have you got for me this week? Well, a slight change of plans actually is a foot, Neil, because at the end of the last episode, I told you I'm going to tell you about the coldest village on earth. That's going to come in the future because we got our hands on someone today that I didn't think we could get this quickly, but we did. And it's going to be absolutely amazing. Okay. Neil, how would you like to hear the story about somebody who joined the Polish forces in World War II okay. and became a corporal? Okay. Very successful military career. Okay. But he was a bear. <laughs> um, um, this is not some kind of homosexual reference. This is not some. That's kind what of, I was thinking. Yeah, no, this is not an analogy of any sort. This is a direct, literal explanation. He's a bear. He's a bear. His name is Wojciech. Yeah, and I will bring you an amazing person oh. called Summer O'Brien in part two, who's going to tell you the incredible history 
of Wojciech, the bad habits he had, the, <laughs> the, the, the terrifying nature of having a bear in a military situation. And Neil, at one point, we will discuss how he actually fought in a war. It's, this is a, a real bear. It's not a man in a bear costume. No, it's not. It's not the extra from Gentle Ben. It's actually a bear. You know, there's two things. Two things when I hear this. One, I can't wait to hear the story. And two, and I think this is important. He definitely was a corporal, right? Yes. He definitely got to be because, like, if you're an enlisted man there and a bear gets promotion <laughs> over you, you must be like, "What do I have to do?" <laughs> He shits in the woods, for Christ's sake. He robs picnic <laughs> baskets. And I'm standing here. He's over there. He's got one fist in a bee's honey <laughs> home thing. And I mean, and he's got, a, he's got a rabbit in the other hand. And I'm here working he's, as a private. I'm working as a private. I'm doing my drills. He's in the bunk above me, which is dangerous. And he keeps banging on about marmalade sandwiches and how he <laughs> and, wants to go back to Peru. And you're not, you're, you're actually not even, this isn't even fantasy because he only began his military career as a private. So he was <laughs> promoted up the ranks until he became oh, Corporal Wojciech. This is amazing. I can't wait to talk about so that. We'll get to that in part two with Summer O'Brien and we'll talk to Summer about it. But anyway, I want to give you a part one that that is respectful of this. So I was thinking about things that tie in with bear. So like if I asked you to name the stereotypes, the tropes of, in fact, we've done a few of them there. We've done marmalade. What, when you think bear, but what are the things you think of? Uh, I think um, slapping salmon out of a river in Alaska. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think of eating honey. Mm-hmm. I think of uh, riding a tiny bicycle in that terrible circus I went to. Uh, I think of koala bears who aren't actually bears. Marsupials, I think. true. Yeah, yeah. Um, who are for chlamydia, apparently? Oh, yeah, a lot of chlamydia. Oh, the, the koala. Um, Sorry, I thought you meant yeah. bear. Yes, koala. Yeah, they do. They, yeah, they have yeah. chlamydia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, and and picnic baskets. I think mm. yeah, that'd be the the main ones. Yeah. The other thing I think would be hibernation. Yes. Okay. Well, I am going to tell you in part one all about hibernation because, like, if I say to you, what do you think it is? In a very general sense, like, no kind of no kind of expertise. Just like if you're explaining it to a toddler, a four, four-year-old, what's hibernation? I would say, is this my own toddler now? <laughs> yeah, this, no. this is a future toddler of mine. Future oh, well, they, they'd be very clever. I'd say a hibernation. It's from the Latin. Uh, Hibernia, which is what Ireland was called. That means winter. The so land means, of winter, yes, is the, win- the winter land, yeah. Uh, sleeping, uh, sleeping during the winter you while see? playing for a Scottish club in Edinburgh. <laughs> You see, his four-year-old is going to have to just endure this kind of conversation. And all <laughs> he really get, wants to know is, what, what time is Paw Patrol on? Like? <laughs> um, so I'd say, going to sleep for the winter. That's what I'd say. Yeah, so most people would, and look, in a, in a sense, you're right. It, it, people think it's a prolonged period of sleep, right? Okay. But it actually isn't, okay? It's right. not sleeping in the traditional sense. It depends on the animal in question. We're going to focus on bears. But for larger mammals like bears, they don't actually go to sleep, Okay. In the same sense that that we think of, where you just curl up in a nice warm den or whatever, and you wait until it's not cold anymore and you wake up. They actually go into a state called torpor. I don't know if you've ever heard of this. I yes, certainly have I've heard of torpor, yeah. Right. Okay. So torpor is, well, actually describes me as an adult, a prolonged period of inactivity, which has basically been me since I was about 20 until now. <laughs> so I've been in a torpid state since then. 
but it's not hibernation proper. It's more like hibernation life. So hibernation is voluntary, okay? In the sense that an animal decides to go into hibernation to conserve energy, survive when food is scarce, and minimize their need to face the elements in the cold winter months, okay? Okay. Um, Torpor, on the other hand, is less voluntary and dictated by external conditions. It lasts for much shorter periods of time. And the important thing seems to be here that the animal can wake quickly from torpor. So, for example, shaking and kind of muscle contractions, it takes about an hour and the animal's back to normal. Whereas in hibernation, that's not the case at all. In hibernation, you're, in fact, this is amazing. Animals who hibernate don't dream. How okay. do you know that? Because I researched it, but other people know this. But what, it mean, what I mean with this is they've studied their brain activity. The bodies are too cold to produce electrical activity necessary for that type of brain activity for dreaming and REM sleep and all that. Some animals need to actually wake up from hibernation to get some normal sleep so that the REM sleep happens that allows their brains to function normally. It's like a brain repair they have to go to, to to make it work. So you're an animal, and that, that this is the hibernation one now, hibernates, and then wakes up from hibernation, and then the first thing it goes, oh, yawns, and goes, you know something, I haven't had enough sleep. <laughs> and you go for an extra little naparoo, yeah. and that little nap, the proper sleep, is the thing that turns everything back on. Exactly, and, and it kind of gets their brains like functioning in the way they're supposed to. And we'll get to a thing later on in, in, in this called Tau. But we'll get to that. That's like a plane. You're getting a massive jumbo jet, which is hibernation. You get to the place, but you have to still have to get the bus from the plane to the terminal building, which is the little nap. <laughs> that's actually, that's not a bad analogy. I wish I had thought of it, but yeah. By the way, while we're talking about that, I think that those bus drivers in the airport that drive you from the gate to the plane have the most willpower of anybody in any job. Why? Because... Because you're driving along on a road that is painted on the tarmac. There's no difference between the road. The plane is over there. Yeah. Right? You could just drive to the plane. But you have to drive on a cartoon road. Like, they, they must have, there's no difference between the surface of the bit you're driving on and the bit you're not allowed to drive on. The temptation must be, like... Well, funnily enough, they're, they're the people who don't last in those jobs, Neil. Because... <laughs> no, yes. Okay, fair enough. That's fair enough. <laughs> there are ground squirrels that do hibernate. So some smaller mammals do hibernate and their brains actually go through an unbelievable amount of stress because the neurons internally shrink and the previously created pathways between neurons in the brain, they're actually lost. But they display an amazing thing called plasticity, which I'm sure if you've ever heard people talk about brains, you know, they talk about neuroplasticity, yeah, um, which is the ability to, uh, I suppose, for new pathways to be formed. So for example, if you do a lot of meditation or, or self-talk and you kind of you tr train your brain, your subconscious mind, you're displaying neuroplasticity and you're able to train your brain to do things. And it's also why your brain sometimes tells you things that, you know, might happen, but they really won't happen. It, the subconscious is as real to the brain as real life is. So it can be negative as well as positive. But their neuroplasticity, when they wake, uh, helps their brains recover. The neurons bloom and pathways grow even greater than before, greater levels, and then they actually come back and they return to the normal state they were in. So for a brief period of time, they're kind of super smart ground squirrels. Right, but, but for a brief period of time, but when they wake up first, they're like zombie squirrels. Like 
they can't remember anything. All the well, neurons are banjaxed. Yeah, they have to like regrow. Now, this isn't like they're not walking around doing this. The process no. of waking from hibernation oh, okay. is a long and drawn out thing. And so their brains are probably awake before their eyes open or before they're kind of starting to move or anything like that. Can I ask you one question about the ground squirrels? How in the name of God do does a scientist figure out that a, a ground squirrel's neurons uh, re-bloom? Like that's... <laughs> Who does that? Oh, I think it's just all reported by the ground squirrels. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's self-reported. Yeah, oh, I okay, think so. that's fair yeah. enough. Listen, I just woke up and I don't know about you, but I feel like a new squirrel. I feel like I mean, I thought it was just the exercise regime, but actually I think it's new neurons and new plasticity <laughs> in my this, brain. This is when when they get super smart, they log on, they self-report, and then gradually as the brain starts to go back to number like, really, what's his computer? Uh hunt for nuts, hunt for nuts, hunt for nuts. That's Oh, that's what happened. <laughs> I wouldn't have just eat an apple. Okay, that's insane. Okay, talk to me about bears then. Okay, so bears, for example, so when you hibernate, some animals hibernate for they might, let's say they hibernate for four months. Okay, but during hibernation, it's cyclical. They'll wake up from hibernation, the long process. They'll go to the toilet. Mm-hmm. Then they'll go back into hibernation. And so they're as we termed it at the start, we said, "Oh, you go to sleep for ages." It's not linear. It's not just a flat line of you go to sleep in November and you wake up in March. It's up and down, up and down. Now, they may not ever leave. Well, they won't usually ever leave where they're safe and warm. They won't get up and wander around, but they will wake up sufficiently to do things like me need to go toilet now. And then they go back into the hibernation sleep again. Bears don't do that. Bears stay in the torpid state for the whole time and they don't wee at all. In fact, they use their urine that's in them. They turn that into energy. It stays within them and turns into energy. So the bears just go in and they don't come out of it at all. And that's no. torpor. And it's for a short period. And they just like, there's no commode. There's no. No. And they also, their 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 metabolism drops 95%. Oh, I think I've done that over Christmas. <laughs> I, I didn't want to say, but you're looking plump for me for the winter season. <laughs> you could easily go to sleep for months. You'd be uh, fine. Shut up. I might swim the channel. You don't know. I might decide. That's I'm fair. Just let, That's fair. I, I'm letting my love handles decide for me. <laughs> okay. I want to talk to you about tau, right? Tau is this amazing thing. Um, it's a protein, T-A-U, tau. And okay. when the squirrels, their brains kind of go they go backwards and all of these kind of neurons deplete and all these things happen. They have a buildup of, pro- of the protein called tau in their brain. And do you know who else has that? Alzheimer's patients. Oh, wow. So tau is a protein in the brain that is present in and high levels in Alzheimer's patients. And what's hoped now, which would be amazing. If you could figure out. Yeah, the, the squirrels can scour the tau from their brains when they wake up. And if we can figure out how they do that, then it could provide real insights and treatments for neurodegenerative diseases. So it is worth, as you said, how do they figure out how the squirrels? It is actually worth studying these squirrels because they are doing amazing things. And you know, we spoke in season one about the wood frog. You told me about the wood frog. Yes. Who freezes itself and all this kind of stuff happens. Like you would think that a mammal would need to stay super warm and, and do all these things. And they do in order to survive. But Arctic squirrels have been recorded with an internal core body temperature of minus 2.9 Celsius. Neil, you and I right now are what, 37.1? Y- yeah. Minus 2.9? Y- 
like a lollipop. And and they survive. Yeah, it's frozen. Full on frozen. In That's their internal body temperature. So what are their extremities at? But yet, these Arctic squirrels can survive this, come back out, scour the tau from their brains. That's an internal process that isn't even understood. And recover and as I said, for a brief period of time, be super squirrels and then go back to being normal squirrels. I'm assuming you're using one of those thermometers that goes under the arm of the squirrel. You said <laughs> internal. Now, it's surely very difficult to use a rectal thermometer <laughs> well, not, on a frozen no, squirrel. not on a frozen squirrel because he ain't moving anywhere. So no, he's not. You just, just lube it up and in it goes. <laughs> surely when the squirrel wakes up, it just feels... Violated. I, I know I don't dream when I'm in this <laughs> state. I, mean, I had a really weird dream. It was pretty vivid. I mean, uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't think it was a dream. Do, is, is is nightmares? Is that too strong a word for what happened to me? That's incredible. No, it is. It genuinely is incredible what these animals can do. Let me ask you this: You may have had a hibernating pet. A lot of people did. Did you ever own a goldfish, Neil Denimer? I did not own a goldfish, no. No, nor did I. My friend next to the neighbour had one. Okay, well, maybe the goldfish in your sitting room in the little roundy kind of stereotypical bowl wouldn't have hibernated. But the koi carp and that kind of bigger goldfish that you have outdoors in a pond, yeah, they need to hibernate, certainly in the northern hemisphere, for between four and six months. So, Certainly from November to February, they're the key dates of the goldfish. So the big goldfish that you see swimming around and, you know, wherever you see them, people have them in their ponds and you see them in kind of, you know, Japanese gardens and, and botanical gardens and stuff and zoos, obviously. They go into this torpid state. They just kind of sink down to the bottom of the pond. Uh, they don't really move at all until the temperature rises. And the reason, again, that they're sent into this torpor is the involuntary thing. It's the conditions. So the algae die off in the cold. And the insects die off in the cold. So they've no food. So it's like, well, I'm just going to starve. So I better just hunker down. Well, they don't even think of this. It just happens. Their bodies go, take it away from them as a decision. And they make them hunker down in the bottom of the reeds or whatever's in there. They just basically stay still and, and moving slightly enough for the oxygen to go through their gills. And they don't move again until the algae return, the insect returns, and they've got food again. So that's involuntary. Like their body's doing that. Like... Could it be, you know, when you're sending a kid to bed and everybody else is up having a, having the crack and they're like, I don't want to go to bed. Like, could a koi carpy? Oh, but I'm having the best of crack. There's loads of algae around. Yeah. There'll be algae around tomorrow. But their body just kind of goes, no. Because that koi carp would not be around for the springtime if he did that. If he decided to stay, it would just be dead. Is this only in this part of the world? Yeah, so where it gets sufficiently cold. So wherever, if there's, a, if there's a sufficiently cold drop in temperature, I'm sure if you put carp or koi carp or big goldfish into a pond in the Caribbean, yeah. they'd probably be fine all year round. But certainly yeah. in the Northern Hemisphere, obviously they're, they're native to Japan and whatever, all of that. So where the Japan would have extreme winters, we'd have extreme winters, certainly from a goldfish point of view. So yeah, so they need to do that and they enter into that torpid state. Um, you know the animal dormice? Yes. I only copped onto this while researching hibernation. I always thought a dormouse was something yeah. to do with a door. Like, I don't know, they lived in wooden doors or something and someone went, oh, we should call them a dormouse. You're not going to say that it's from Dormir. Yeah, French boy. No. Neil Delamere. They can hibernate for 11 months. I mean, that's less of an animal and more of a... 
of of a thought in somebody's head. Isn't it? <laughs> well, it turns out that the reason that animals like that hibernate for a long period of time obviously is the standard winter hibernation scenario, but also they are picked off regularly by birds, birds of prey. Yeah. And in order to have what we would term a normal length of life for a mouse, let's call it, I don't know, three years or whatever, mm. dormice can live for about nine years. So it looks like on paper, oh my God, these are, but if you take the periods of activity, they only live for about three years because they spend so much time asleep. But mice are famous for one other thing, which is replication and reproduction. Yeah. So basically, they just must wake up. Yeah, 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 baby. Yeah. Fall asleep again. <laughs> wow. I, I mean. Uh, you're glad I, we don't video on this. <laughs> it was it was the hip thrusting that seemed unnecessary, <laughs> to be honest with you. But, but hey, here we are. I was trying to get into character. But <laughs> oh. clearly, they must like get up. Yeah. Jesus, I'm starving. Need some cheese. I need to avoid that cat that's just hit that bulldog with a pan. And, and I need I me need some to, loving. I need me some loving. And yeah. they go at it. They go at it and they make more little dormice. Dormir. Dormice. Incredible. So is that actually where it's from? Yeah. And also, wow. they can grow up to twice their normal size to get through that super long hibernation that they do. So that's another reason why they get picked off because they're genuinely double their size, they're bloated, they're fat, they're unable to scurry in the way they were when they were at their, in commas, normal size, but they need to be that size. To, so it's a whole big cycle. What a gamble that is. She's Isn't just, it? They're standing in front of a patisserie window in the next version of Ratatouille <laughs> and they're going, oh, I'd love that one, Marjorie, but I, I, I shouldn't. I couldn't outrun the owl if I eat I that one. I couldn't outrun the owl. There's an owl there and he's looking awful hungry. I know, <laughs> but still... That's amazing. That's a it that's is. a gamble. Then you get it right, and you get fat enough to survive for it's a fat enough to survive. Yeah. Now, interestingly, there's the opposite. So we're all talking about everything we're talking about so far is hibernation, yeah. as you said, hiberno winter. So surviving yeah. the winter. There's also a summer one, and there's a summer one for animals that need to avoid the extreme heat and the lack of water and resources that happens in the height of the summer. And brilliantly, while hiberno is winter and hibernation comes from that. This is which me actually literally means to spend the winter. Aestivation, aestus in Latin means the hot season. So aestivation is literally saying it's too hot. There's no nothing to eat. I've no water, so my body's just going to shut down for like now. It's not as never as long a period because the heat just isn't as, as intense. But it could be for a month. And African hedgehogs do it. Crocodiles and this is what a great verb, Neil. They Aestivate. I mean, hibernate, aestivate, but like, it's beautiful. It's like what RTE does during the summer. <laughs> so the crocodile's just doing the equivalent of reruns of Killing the Scully and nature documentaries. It's, yeah, it's like when it. the Today Show with Dahi and Mora just goes off the air and you go, what am I going to do for a month? You know, and the lads are <laughs> yeah. off in Lanzarote or whatever. Yeah, and you're watching westerns and, <laughs> so, and, and nature documentaries. So you could watch on RTE a crocodile aestivating. While it was a repeat on RTE, while RTE was while Dahi O'Shea's estivating. There well, you go. Dahi Ofe- oh, this is this is <laughs> like the Russian dolls of sleeping during the summer. And then there's another one called brumation. Okay, okay. so witches do that. <laughs> Very good. Cold-blooded animals, snakes, lizards, those kind of reptiles and things like that, they brumate and they find an abandoned burrow, or whatever, and they wait out the cold 
weather. And bruma is the Latin word for the winter solstice or midwinter. So somebody in the 60s needed a word for, well, they don't hibernate because they're not mammals. They're not warm blooded. They're not doing things. They're doing something else. And somebody went, well, bruma means winter, midwinter. Let's call it brumation. So now it's called that. So there are your three terms, hibernate, aestivate and brumate. Oh, I, I'm going to drop these in for just normal sleeping patterns. Definitely. No. Uh, here's a couple more things about bears before we finish up, right? So, as I said, unlike true hibernators, they can these guys can easily be awoken from the kind of lethargy that they're in. Their core temperature doesn't drop substantially. Their heart rates drop from about 55 to 9 BPM. 9 BPM? Yeah, 9. Now, here's something... That, that's, that is terrible uh, dance music, isn't it? <laughs> NBP <laughs> 9 BPM. BPM. <laughs> <laughs> Even that was too short. <laughs> Deck appears to be really upset with you. Uh, another amazing thing that bears can do while they're in this torpid state is give birth. Now, now you're talking. You see, now imagine women of Earth. Imagine you could go and just basically go sleepy sleeps. And wake yeah. up and go, did I birth a human? Not only did you birth a human, you've birthed a human who has since been nursing on you, even though you basically were not awake. Isn't that incredible? That is unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, does it happen regularly or is it yeah, just... Yeah, because it's a really good time to give birth from the bear's point of view because you're safe, you're hidden away from predators, often, unfortunately male bears the fathers can be the predators because not yeah. much else is going to go around eating bears um but yeah you can you're safe you're hidden away and then also you've got a huge store of fat and energy and milk production and all that stuff while you're hibernating because it's some shock it's if you didn't you. know you were pregnant <laughs> <laughs> you wake up and there's a little bear beside you <laughs> mommy oh god <laughs> Um, and then obviously you go out into the springtime and you start slapping fish and eating berries and doing all the things or whatever. So, you know. so when we say slapping fish, we actually mean catching, catching fish. Um, if you wake up quickly, I'd imagine those koi carp, this is going to be a piece of piss. Yeah. <laughs> They're all asleep in the bottom of it. Idiots. Other areas of research that could help humans, we're always looking for a human angle on this, say organ transportation, right? So when we transplant, you know, donor heart, donor kidneys, whatever it would be, one of the key things is to not have any of the tissues or cellular death occur. So it's often just kind of packed in ice quickly, you know, alarm, you know, the sirens are going on the ambulance, get it across or if it's flown somewhere or whatever. But what they're studying is like the Arctic squirrels who are able to get their core body temperature down to minus 2.9 and not have muscle degradation and not even have a bone degradation, bone density degradation they don't have either. So they can, if they can figure out the cellular survival of, at the cold temperature, that will help organ transportation. Uh, muscle atrophy is for, obviously when people are in hospital for a long time, you know, if they're immobile for a long time, atrophy is a real big problem with their muscles and their legs and other parts of their body. And then bone density issues, similar, like, you know, again, if you're inactive for a long period of time, the density of your bones can be affected also through osteoporosis and things. So they may be able to figure out through the Arctic ground squirrels and their hibernation patterns, what exactly is going on. And then there's something, what an amazing name for an animal, a fat-tailed dwarf lemur. Right. I mean, I'm not sure you're allowed to call them that anymore. But you absolutely fine. are. Because the, the tail, the fat tail, is where they store the energy 
like the, their tail gets fatter as they get closer to the hibernation period. And it's like a little backpack of food that they <laughs> store. And then they, that shrinks down and becomes less fat as they go through the hibernation period. But here's the thing. They are the largest primates that hibernate. These lemurs, right? Yeah. And they've gone, well, hang on. Genetically, they're almost identical to humans. Like literally genetically. So if we can figure out, this is amazing. We can figure out how the fat-tailed dwarf lemur survives hibernation. NASA reckon we could sleep our way to Mars. Okay. Space. What? space, tra- Yeah, galactic, intergalactic space travel could be possible because of the fat-tailed dwarf lemur. So there's this little lemur with his little fat tail mm. and that's essentially his little backpack. Yeah. He's got his little packed lunch in there yeah. and his packed lunch, he's got all his little specials. His, his little rice cakes are in there. Yeah. And all his little rice cakes and his little petty falou are in there <laughs> and his little dairy lee dunkers are yeah. in there. And all he builds there. it and he builds it and he builds it. And then... He uh, just goes gets, for a kip. It's, it's nap, goes, nap time in the crash. He goes for kip. He, he doesn't give birth to anybody at no. this point. <laughs> no, not that we know of. Not, no. And somehow, scientists look at that and go all right sleepy sleepy mars time let's do it because they're they're so similar to us i mean like you know 90 something percent of them is the same as us absolutely i do feel that the one percent difference in that they have a fucking tail (laughs) (laughs) a fat tail full of Gary lee dunkers fat tail and they sleep for (laughs) serious amounts of time i think that is the significant difference between the two yeah and the fact that they don't you know uh, have the ability to man spacecraft we don't know have has anyone sent a fat tailed dwarf lemur into space elon musk are you listening So basically, if we could do an Apollo 13 Madagascar mashup, there were were lemurs. There were lemurs in there, yeah, yeah. King Julian. Yeah. I like to move it, move it. (laughs) Brackets, to Mars. To Mars, Close brackets. Okay. move Apollo 13. Well, all of those hibernation and bear or sign related facts were absolutely fascinating. I'm glad you enjoyed them, but trust me when I tell you, they will be nothing compared to the story of... Wojciech, who became Private Wojciech, who became Corporal Wojciech, the bear in the army. We'll get to that with Summer next. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. 
from ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. So welcome back to part two of Why Would You Tell Me That? And we're joined now by the Collections and Engagement Manager of Eden Camp Modern History Museum in the UK. It is Summer O'Brien. Summer, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on and telling us about Corporal Wojciech. Before we do, can you just briefly explain what Eden Camp is, the Modern History Museum? Yeah, so Eden Camp obviously is probably one of the only um, modern history museums in the UK, which is actually, and it is the only one in the museum industry, that is held in an actual prisoner of war camp. Um, So, yeah, we have a a lot of huts which were comprised in the Second World War, and the prisoners actually built the huts themselves. So it's a fantastic museum, and if anyone gets a chance to come and visit us, it's definitely a a, a one of a kind place. And as collections and engagement manager, what exactly do, do both of those titles mean? What, what do you collect and <laughs> yeah. whom do you engage? <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it is a big mouthful. Um, but I look after all the archives and the displays. Um, so that's like the collections ailment. Wow. And then obviously I have the, um, the engagement side, which is engaging with the younger generation through schools and education and things like that as well. Brilliant. Well, this podcast then is perfect because it's engaging with all the people in, around the world who love this. And maybe maybe not that many young people are listening, but yeah, still. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good to engage with everyone. I think, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of the time we have a few workshops and things like that with children and the parents. The parents even enjoy it more than the children do. Yeah, so. I'd well imagine. <laughs> okay, well, look, I, I kind of I teased Neil a little bit uh, with the story of, we call him Corporal Wojciech, but he began life, of course, just as Wojciech, but he, he became Corporal Wojciech. But let's go back to the very start. Who was this bear? This bear, honestly, this story is so magical in a sense. It, it is kind of one of them that you would you wouldn't even th- and have imagined it would have happened. Yeah. And um, obviously, during the Second World War, anything was round the corner. No one knew what was going to happen. And the story of this amazing bear um, and this, his memory after that as well. He was a tiny, tiny little cub when they found him. And this this lovely lo- little cub was in a boy's backpack. And the Polish army actually come across this little boy. And where was this? They were in Iran at the time. And um, they come across him and they said to this little boy, can we have this bear? And they, they, he turned, they turned around and he was like, what? What? Like, I've just got this bear. Why, why, do, why do you want him? He said, oh, you know, we'll, we'll take the bear. We'll give you some money and we'll feed you both. So that was basically <laughs> it come across from that sense that that's what they were going to mean. But I, I, honestly, he is... The story of him himself and how he come to grow with the army, I think that's probably one of the most magical things in the Second World War, really. I think so. I mean, certainly I want you to tell, Neil, why Polish soldiers were in Iran when the war was going on in Europe. I mean, there's a there's a geographical question mark there, I'm sure, Neil. Yeah, there, there was a lot going on at the time, especially during Europe everywhere. Everyone was everywhere. Um, there was so many different campaigns going on. Um, especially for, for Mr. Bear himself, as I like to call him, um, as he grew up as well. <laughs> so once they once they find this little small cub with this boy, they feed it to them, they take the cub away from the boy, they're in Iran. Do they then presumably travel back to Europe with this bear? 
when they got hold of him, they didn't really know what to do with him. They just kind of hoped that he would eventually sort himself out. But when he was a cub, they, they couldn't transport him to and from places. So at the time, they just kept where, wherever they were campaigning at the time. There's been many primary sources and many evidences that he was all over, really. Um, but essentially, he was fed with a bottle, a vodka bottle, with condensed milk inside. So, <laughs> go, on the, go on the Polish lads, yeah. straight to the vodka bottle. Yeah, and, it, you know, again, vodka and beer and industry, things like that, during the Second World War, it was, it was very heightened. It was a morale booster, in a sense, uh, beer and cigarettes and things like that. So, obviously, this cub at the time... Wojtek, yeah, he did, not, he did not live a clean lifestyle. Tell Neil about his habits. He didn't at all. He uh, he was definitely one of a kind in that sense. People people always say, oh, I used to smoke cigarettes and, and along them lines. And I was thinking, obviously, me being a historian, I look into it. I'm thinking, how does a bear manage to smoke a cigarette? <laughs> but he didn't only just smoke them, he ate them at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> that's one way to consume nicotine, I'm assuming. <laughs> well, that's it. It, it seems to be the case that he didn't really like have any interest in the smoking part of it. He just wanted to go straight for it. Yeah, yeah, put it in my mouth and then lit cigarettes. Like I do lit. hope when they, were, when they were feeding him with the condensed milk, I do hope that they were doing, like they'd do shots of it. They'd pour shots out from <laughs> the vodka bottle. Shots of condensed milk. So then presumably they have him, you know, as a cub. But then he, I don't know how long it takes a bear to get big, but surely that presents its own problems. Yeah, I mean, overall, he actually grew to be over 250 pounds. He was six foot tall. (laughs) Like, he was huge. He was a huge bear. Like, he was a massive bear, and he was part of their their family, essentially, as they said. You know, they'd get up in the morning, he'd have a morning routine of, Drinking coffee, smoking a cigarette, having honey and marmalade on toast. It was one of them <laughs> things that all, all the soldiers did. He did as well. It would have had a huge effect on the morale of this company of soldiers because, like, yeah. you know, th- he, he was theirs. He was completely tame in, in some senses. You know, he wasn't a threat to those that he felt like he trusted and he trusted all the people in the company. He did. He definitely did. They used to they play for quite a bit. And um, they used to have wrestle competitions, and to, <laughs> fact, to think to think back then that they were wrestling with a bear—that's that is outstanding, really. When you think about it, you just think, did that actually happen? But there is primary evidence of it. There's photographs. We literally have primary sources yeah, of this. Yeah. You know, and obviously, because he saw them as his own and his family, he thought that was okay, and that they they were absolutely fine with it. You do hope that, you know, nightclubs, you know, when people are going in R&R when they're in the (laughs) army, I do imagine somebody from some one company starting a row with one of the lads in the (laughs) Polish company. (laughs) Yeah, leave it, Darren, leave it. He's not worth it. And then, no, 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 I'm going to call somebody in on my behalf. And then a six foot Syrian bear walks around the corner, puts out the fag he's been eating. Puts, it, <laughs> puts the bottle down of vodka, stroke, condensed milk, and just got point me at the fuck you up. Point <laughs> yeah, me at the guy you want me to fuck up. That is it. He, he did end up getting in, in one fight, which was with another bear, uh, who I believe yes, was called did. Michael. And uh, <laughs> it, I, I just, again, what this says to me is, A, there, were more, there was more than one yeah. military company that had a bear. Like, what is happening? You didn't know what to expect in the Second World War. <laughs> you know the amendments in the in the uh, 
US Constitution. I think it's the Second Amendment that where you have the right to bear arms. Dave. <laughs> 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 We've have we fundamentally misunderstood <laughs> what they are talking about? Those yeah. militias. There's been so a language did he, barrier in it somewhere. Did he beat Michael? Did Michael beat him? Yeah, did we know no, what happened? Boychek emerged victorious, all right. But I think like it was just one of those things where, like, you know territorial all those kind of things you're not going to be able to have two bears in the one place uh, you know it's just it's not a not a good position so what did the hierarchy think of this like he's living with the lads the lads are presumably moving from place to place on campaign yeah you know is there a difficulty moving him can you um can yeah. you put him in a truck what happens well obviously because he was such a big animal um and he was it's a bear like it was a bear at the end of the day, people were saying, well, he's not he's not a soldier. He can't move him from A to B. The British couriers are saying, no, you can't you can't travel with him. Isn't this how he actually got his military yes. status? Was a British courier said, like, they were transporting them, where, where was it, to Italy from Africa? Basically, they were moving from campaign to campaign. And they wanted to take Mr. Bear, as I always call him, they wanted to take Mr. Bear with him. And that he didn't have the rights as a soldier. So the company actually decided to say, right, well, we're going to give him his rights. He had his own papers. He had his own pay book. He had everything that a soldier would need. A bear had a paper book. Like, that is that is outstanding. I've never known anything like that, you know. And when he was transported, he was actually sleeping in a wooden crate. So they give him, they give him like, his papers and he's registered somewhere. A rank. Missing. Yep. Yeah. Private Wojciech. He was part of the 22 Transport Company. That was it. He was part of them in the Polish Army. He was a soldier. He was in the Transport Company. That's who they were, wasn't yes. it? The 22nd Transport Company was, the, was the, the regiment that he was with. Yeah. Do you know when you go into your mechanic yeah. and the mechanic comes out and goes, oh, that's going to cost you. And you're like, ah, oh, it's only a dent. All right. <laughs> and then a bear comes out. <laughs> <laughs> but that was it. Like, there, there, there are so many amazing stories about him. There's two I really want to get to. Um, one... Tell Neil about the that he could that he liked to take showers. He learned how to turn on the shower himself, didn't he? In Egypt, yes, he did. So the issue with him with that was he had there's a there's a funny story is he could he could turn the showers on he couldn't turn them off. <laughs> so it led to a lot of water shortages, which being in Egypt was a problem. However, it was lightened when he went in one day and he, he actually turned round and there was an Arab spy in there whilst he was turning the showers on and he managed to find someone that they were looking for. <laughs> I just have the image, the poor Arab spy who was doing yeah. his best and he had snuck into the camp and he'd gotten in yes. and he goes, I will hide now in showers until the Polish men come out and then I will report back to boss. And then he turns around and goes, oh God, there's a giant bear going on. Literally, you'd be terrified, wouldn't you? You don't train for that in spy school, do you? Like you're sitting there going, "What? Okay, what are the things to consider?" Well, okay, I have a suicide yeah. pill in case I get caught. I could be tortured if I go in early morning. There's probably nobody going to be in the showers. Have you checked for bears? Well, I mean, the likelihood of that happening is very, very unlikely. Syrian bears with the Polish army in Egypt. Come on! Literally, it w it was out of odds, wasn't it? it? You just would never have imagined that. To, like in spy school, as you'd say, you know, as a child, you wouldn't. You'd, you'd think, oh, I'm, the only way I'm going to get caught out in this is if I'm found by someone. But he was found by a bear. 
they should have let that dude go because the report he would have written back to his superiors <laughs> going, God, Polish soldiers are the hairiest men in the entire Allied forces. Huge I was in huge, huge and, a, and a massive teeth. appetite for marmalade. I can't <laughs> explain it. One of them is an absolute idiot. He can turn on the shower, but he can't turn it off. He's an idiot. <laughs> now, clearly, if that bear could learn to turn it on, he can learn to turn it off. Yeah, he's, he's just a lazy bear. But, he, but you know what? He was a messer. Like, they taught him to hold new yeah. recruits up by the ankles, didn't they? Like, yeah. like literally yeah. to terrify the life out of them. It was literally like torture, a torture bear. Like, he was, yeah. he was the most incredible animal that I've come across in history because he would literally turn around and do what they told him to do. The, the other one I yeah. wanted to tell Neil is about his actual genuine military experience because he didn't just kind of become a private and still, you know, when the lads went off, because obviously the transportation wing of an army does things like it brings the ammunition to the front line. Yeah. It brings, you know, uh, food. It brings all, like it, its job is to transport whatever the army needs. So tell yeah. Neil about his actual military experience. He actually carried live boxes of ammunition to the front line in the Battle of Monte Cassino, he the company changed their insignia to with the bear holding the shell. Now in the Polish army, if you're in the transportation yeah. regiment or, or company, you have the Wojciech carrying a massive shell as your insignia. Yeah. Oh God, I love the Polish army. Isn't this unreal? Like surely on the front line, you just. No, thank you. I'm done. There's a yeah. bear. I'm okay. I'll leave. You don't know the physical gap between the front line of the Polish army and, say, the Italian forces on the other side, but surely somebody yeah. had a telescope and they're looking down and going, yeah, the lads are, they are over there now. Wait, something is carrying ammunition. It's a bear. <laughs> uh, sorry, G- Giovanni's lost his mind, lads. Get him off, get him <laughs> off like- the telescope. Oh, he's doing this thing where he pretends to be mad again, so he's kicked out of the army, Giovanni. Oh, it was a tiger carrying a feckin' catapult last week. A bear in a shell. Go on, you spanner. That's incredible. Proper military service. He didn't get injured. He didn't get. He didn't get hurt in that battle or anything like that. Did he? Did he? Was he honorably discharged from the Polish army, or what happened to him? Well, <laughs> the funny thing is because they didn't want him to actually leave the company and just go it and be abandoned and be locked up because obviously the the fighting with the, the soviets at the time they didn't want him to fall into communism so they actually took him back to britain um, and he ended up in edinburgh of course he did we're all we're all the best people end up neil isn't that right if you're going to end up somewhere edinburgh is usually the place when you say you didn't want, they didn't want to fall into communist hands, I assume, rather yeah. than communism. Like, did he have any sort of Marxist leanings? Do we think? <laughs> do we think when they gave him cigarettes, he was taking the cigarettes and individually handing them out to other other bears? <laughs> he went up to Michael and went, "Listen, I'm sorry, so sorry, we had a row. Have this cigarette." So when he ended up in Edinburgh, was it in the zoo? Or was he like, was he a visiting professor in, in the British <laughs> Army? Professor of the Polish Army in Edinburgh. He was he actually, at the time, he attended many places. He went to children's birthday parties. He went to dances after the war. Yeah. It was He lived, he just lived on a farm, didn't he? He just lived on a farm. Yeah. Imagine like one upping, you know, because look, I I've got kids, and you're always gonna go. What party can we throw that no one's thrown before? I know. Let's get the bear from down the farm, down the road, down to do a dance at the children's seven-year-old birthday party. Yeah. Tell them, tell them to ease off on that 
the Das Kapital stuff he's always banging about at the end, right? Just, just, just calm, calm down on that. But let him to do the dancey dance. And so, and how was he in a farm for the rest of his days then? He wasn't actually. He went to Edinburgh Zoo and he died when he was 22 when he was there. Which I believe is quite young for a bear, but obviously not every bear yeah. spends their life drinking milk out of a vodka yeah. bottle, eating cigarettes and, and wrestling and with... cigarettes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so probably had an effect on his, uh, on his life expectancy. On his health. You know the way you say you don't wake up from torpor? Yeah. Right? Surely if you've been in a war... Like you wake up, God! You weren't there, man. You weren't there. <laughs> you weren't there. You didn't eat cigarettes with a bear. <laughs> One of the things I love about his retirement in Edinburgh Zoo is uh, when his former, like, army mates would come. Some are telling you what they do. They'd actually jump over the enclosure to go inside with him. Really? Imagine seeing that as a visitor. You go to the zoo. You see a giant bear and you see some crazy Polish that hop over and you're like, what are you doing? And then he just sits down and starts yeah. hanging out with the bear. He sits down with him, eats a cigarette and then drinks some vodka out of a, out of a bottle. <laughs> bottle. That, that, it's just normal. Bear takes a cigarette case out, lights two of them, hands yeah. the other one yeah. too. That's yeah. low. And he'd obviously remember them, would he? Yeah, he was. It, I find that bizarre as well. He's able to remember faces and... Animals are such a wonderful thing because, you know, like dogs, cats, any other animal, they get familiar with people and he did that and he remembered exactly who his comrades were in the war and after. And I find that really heartwarming. And I know our Polish listeners will be, you know, very familiar with the story because he is celebrated so much in Polish history. There are countless statues of Wojciech all over Poland. Uh, Mm. So next time you spend any time there, keep an eye out. If you see a bear statue... Go and read the small print. I guarantee you it's Corporal Wojciech because he was promoted from private to Corporal Wojciech. And what an yeah. absolute genuine hero. Do you think do you think he got out because he just didn't like he just knew he wasn't going to make Sergeant Dave? He was just like, <laughs> Oh, they're they're stacked up against me. Uh, it's I'm, all the, the lads who went to uh Sandringham. That's it. I'll never be general. I'll never be general. There's too much <laughs> politics, there's too much blah blah blah. I wanna just sit there, smoke, stroke, eat a few fags. <laughs> That's yeah, all I, I want. With the lads. Do you think anybody broke into the enclosure, saw him, and he didn't recognise him and he's about to rip their face off and he grabs him? And holds him upside down and goes, oh, no, 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 I, I got you now. I recognize I, you now. No, no, I have you now. I have you now. <laughs> That's a fantastic story. Summer, Summer, what an amazing story about an amazing creature. And in fairness, an amazing company of men uh, in World War II who yeah. found, looked after, raised, and kept a bear safe through literally war zones. It's just a phenomenal story on everyone's behalf. But thank you for telling it to us today. No, thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed it. <laughs> Summer O'Brien, Collections and Engagement Manager, Eden Camp, Modern History Museum. Thank you so much. And the website, by the way, is edencamp.co.uk, am I right? Yes, yes, that's perfect. (laughs) Okay, everybody, go and check it out and you'll see what an amazing museum it is. Summer O'Brien, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Summer. Thank you so much, guys. All right, welcome back to part three of Why Would You Tell Me That? Where we just learned about, I think, possibly my favorite animal now ever, Corporal Wojciech the Bear in the Polish Army. Sorry, I'm just on the phone booking a flight to Krakow. <laughs> Krakow, <laughs> Krakow, Krakow, Krakow. Krakow. Um, 
Uh, that sounds absolutely amazing. Like, just, just unbelievable. Your, your Italian impression was pretty, pretty spot on. Because <laughs> imagine you just go. I just imagine, you know, you know the V two rocket and the Germans and yeah. all that sort of stuff. And then you had the the Americans and the Manhattan Project, and they're all sitting there going, "Well, if we can har- harness nuclear." technology and if we can figure out v2 rockets and then the Polish lads are going we have bear i just think <laughs> that is back to basics and they clearly looked after him and he was they did he was such a kind of a philip to their morale i would have thought yeah i really think it's worth looking him up and particularly looking him up uh if you can find a website that's in English, if you need to speak English, obviously, like I do, um, but written by a Polish person, written by someone from the Polish military, because I found a few of those articles throughout my research for this, because the fondness they have for this animal in 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 the kind of the national psyche, yeah, it's just it's like he is genuinely a war hero in the same way that incredible brave humans who do things in wars are, are given this kind of respect, and you know, in your history. Look, we go back to to Michael Collins. We go back as far as Ku Cullen, and and the yeah. the esteem we hold these people in, they hold Wojciech in that esteem. It's not a kind of a jokey thing. What does Wojciech mean? As a matter of interest, do you know? Wojciech, yes, I do know. Uh, it means happy warrior. Oh, that's class. Isn't that such a cool name? It's a shame that he veered towards communism, or he he had that. Um, <laughs> no, you had picked, that. You picked up on that completely wrong. Neil I mean, I'm here. really, I'm, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of put a little bit of a stain on the story, which is an amazing <laughs> story. But uh, he, he clearly he he admired the strongman approach of Stalin or something. I don't think that's talked about enough, Dave. <laughs> or right. maybe I've slightly misunderstood it. Do you know what? Do you know what they say? Communism hasn't been tried properly anywhere. Is there you it go. that we? just need to do it with bears. Is you that do it bears first. You need to do it in Syria, in the mountains first. Right. Then see if they the can bears. get it right. Yeah, yeah, Okay, yeah. I'm with you. Well, and yet traditionally bears, you know, so protective over their porridge. It, it's, <laughs> it's unusual. It doesn't really sit with his communist tendencies. But listen, I didn't know the bear myself. Who am I to say? That was a fantastic story that you brought me. I have never heard of Wojciech. He sounds like a brilliant bear and the lads who looked after him sound fabulous as well i'm gonna to have to up my game so uh next week i will tell you about a condition that appears to affect lots of people who've won the nobel prize oh oh specifically people who've won the nobel prize yes and not only That's that a little... but yeah but the man who's going to tell us about it people will recognize as well because if you like facts and you like this podcast you're really going to like the podcast he does in the uk Hint, hint. Oh, I wouldn't be sending anybody in that direction, Bill. I think they have a few listeners already themselves. Yes, yes. I mean, if you want the um, well, at the feeder club, the Royal Antwerp to our <laughs> to our Premier <laughs> to League, our Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> Stick around and listen to that next week. Thanks again to everybody who came along to Smock Alley this week and had an absolute ball at the Why Would You Tell Me That live podcast. Thanks to Dear McGavin. Thanks to Chris Kent. Thanks to Smock Alley. Thanks to Neil Delamere. What a guy. What a, what a hero. Moore. Thanks to Dave Moore. Sure, we're a great pair of lads. Whoever Dave Moore really was. I know you killed him many years ago and took his identity. <laughs> there is a song, isn't there? The Ballad of Davey Moore or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, we'll we'll if, investigate that for another episode. If there isn't, there should be. Oh, he walked through the hedge and he had one sneaker. He lost his guitar on another. <laughs> That's definitely been recorded. <laughs> Thank you.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.